Hey Conjugate Chat friends, this is Mike Cunningham from Gill Athletics and I need your help. Or maybe I need to help you. See, we have a crap ton of rubber bumper plates and other weight room items that we need to clearance. We need to clear them out of our factory. That's right, a crap ton. That's the official measurement. All offers will be considered. Email me at mcunningham at gillathletics.com to see the full list and check out the show notes right here on Conjugate Chats for a link to see the items and my email address. Thanks, everybody, and stay strong. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and uh, taking the time to sit down and just listen in on what we got going on here on the podcast today. Uh, a couple of things before we get going into the episode is uh, I want to do a couple ad reads for our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning. Whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions, they are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I'll put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides coaches with an elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is also full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Please be sure to sit back listen in and enjoy this episode of the conjugate chats thank you and welcome back to another episode of the conjugate challenge i'm your host john mark raspberry current strength coach over at dyer county high school i have on today kenneth the letter on uh, from Indiana State University is the strength and conditioning coach there. Well, um, welcome to the Conjugate Chats, man. It's awesome to have you on. Um, I, I anticipate we're going, you know, go down some rabbit holes and everything like that, man. And um, you know, I'm very excited for it. So, for the listeners out there, talk a little bit about yourself. Your road to strength and conditioning. How'd you get in there? Uh, what are you doing currently? All and everything else in between, man. All right, no problem. Uh, Kenneth Galata, uh, originally from uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I work at Indiana State University. My title is the head coach for sports performance and science. Um, this is I'm going into my fifth year now here at Indiana State and year three in the role of my title. Um, and started off, you know, I went to undergrad at the University of Finley out in Ohio, a little small Division II school. I did my undergrad there, my grad work there. Uh, undergrad was in strength conditioning. My master's is in, is in athletic training. Um, after I graduated the master's, I went down and worked at Coastal Carolina. I worked as a uh, intern athletic trainer for a year. And then 
went back to the University of Finland and worked as a full-time athletic trainer. And then at that point, I kind of wanted to get into more of the strength and conditioning realm of it all. Uh, so I left the University of Finley, uh, got my CSCS, and then I went and worked at Tiffin University, where I was there for three years, I believe. Two years, three years, one of the two. And when you, when you, when you work at this point now, it all just kind of bleeds together, man, how many years you've been at certain places. But... Well, while I was at Tiffin, I was an athletic trainer and a strength conditioning coach. Um, you know, it was just, it was, it was a grind. You know, I think that's a whole different level of grind. You know, you're waking up early, doing early morning football sessions. You're working throughout the day, doing sport coverage, uh, doing treatment and rehabs throughout the day, and then coming back later in the, the evening doing a track lift. So long days, and, you know, I, I, I liked it because, you know, I think, talk about the uh, young professionals coming in, the intern GA, and, like they put in their long hours too. And, yeah, I may have a little unorthodox route where it comes from, like I didn't do all those internships, I didn't do a grad assistantship, but I put in my time and put in my hours as well, putting in my, putting in my uh, work. So, but after Tiffin, I kind of, you know, uh, had to make a choice, you know, it was a lot of work. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I wanted to do one that I was more passionate about and that's where I kind of went and did uh, focus on strength conditioning, strength conditioning only. But knowing that, you know, I wasn't naive to the fact that I only had one place of experience at the age of uh, 26. You know, all these people I'm competing with for all these jobs out there probably have three, four internships, like I said, have a grad assistantship, might have another full-time job under the belt at the age of 26. So, um I had to make a choice, and the choice that I made was I had to go apply for a grad assistantship. I really wanted to get in this field. I had to build my network up, build my connections up, and, and to see how another place functions in order to get that next job. Um, very fortunate to where I'm at today because I think uh, I was a GA at Indiana State for maybe a month. Then some people left, and I got promoted to part-time. Then I got promoted to the assistant, and now my title of head. So. It's just funny how things how things work because if you know very grateful and fortunate like I said to be where I'm at today because you know you know you work hard you do everything right and good things happen when you do those things. Absolutely, man, and you know I love the unorthodox way of getting into strength conditioning. You know, um, not everyone's going to fall under that category of getting two or three internships, going sure. and getting a GA, and you know, potentially landing an assistant and then eventually a head job. Um, you know, it's just funny how things work out, you know, in, in the way that, you know, you may not have known it at the time, but, it, you know, it, eventually it works out for itself. And, you know, it's awesome to see that it works out for yourself. Now, let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Sure. Uh, why did you want to go and be a certified athletic trainer to begin with? Great question. Uh, I when I got to college, uh, I really I'm being completely honest. I solely based my college decision on where I play baseball. And you know, you when you're 17, 18 years old, making that decision, you think that's the correct decision. You don't really think about your career. You don't think about your professional life in terms of working. You just think about I'm gonna go play baseball. Sure. Well, then I quit after my freshman year. And my roommate at the time, he was doing, um, it was a three plus two. 
So you finished your undergrad in three years of strength conditioning, and then it's a two years of master work. So essentially, you're cutting off a year, you know. And to be around athletics, to be around all that, um, just uh, you would keep using the word unorthodox, unorthodox professional lifestyle where I can come to work in polo and shorts, or t-shirt and shorts, or sweatpants and athletic shoes, and that always that always intrigued, you know. But then. After I got my master's in athletic training, you know, the, the thought process is, well, I just spent two years getting my grad work in it. I feel like I need to go do this, right? And so I did it, and I and I loved it. It was fun. I, you know, once again, the unorthodox lifestyle, you know, always having the stress of busy, 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 grind, 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 schedules changing, like that always, I always liked that. I didn't like the thought of a typical nine-to-five job, but um yeah, but my passion was always uh, more towards the strength, strength conditioning route. Um, although I was never the biggest kid, I was never the fastest kid. You no, know? it wasn't until I got to college and where I played baseball my freshman year, I was smaller. I had to hit the weight room. I had to get bigger in order to play. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of led me to where I am. Absolutely, man. And you know, um, when I went to when I went to school. I went to through their AT program as well, but I didn't realize at the time it was a pre-professional degree, sure. and and uh, you know, eighteen-year-old like you were kind of talking about with yourself being you know you made your decision off of playing baseball. I made my decision off of playing football, right. and uh, you know, eighteen-year-old self's like, well, kinesiology sounds good. You know, I didn't look at if it was a pre-professional degree. I didn't look if I get sit for the ATC, the you know, the board's exam. Right. I didn't know what a CSCS was or anything like that, man. And it's kind of it's kind of crazy how you know, an eighteen-year-old you know was supposed to go to college and make a career decision, and you're like, well, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Yeah, so sure, sure, sure. But you know that, and I, I'm if I can go back and change it, I wouldn't, you know, because everything fell into place how it should have, and I guess everything happens for a reason. So, absolutely, and let's kind of dive down kind of that sports medicine side of things, man, because that's one thing that really interests me. Even though you know making the decision at 18 years old to go through through this pre-professional degree, we also had some hands-on experience and uh, our practicum uh, working with the sports medicine team, and I actually interned at my alma mater as well. So, talk to us a little bit about that relationship between a strength coach and a sports medicine professional at AT uh, because you know you got to have constant communication between you know strength coach and the AT you know how's this player doing what can I do you know is there anything they can do in the weight room is there anything they cannot do in the weight room you know uh, everything in like that so talk to us about that kind of connection and relationship with the AT yeah and I think uh my opinion, obviously, I, I see it from both ends of the spectrum. But, you know, having that communication and having that relationship and the collaboration between the strength and conditioning coach and the sports medicine staff, I think is vital because at the end of the day, we all do our job in order to see the athletes succeed, you know, and it, it goes hand in hand. Like our job is to obviously get them bigger, faster, stronger. Um, but it's also help mitigate injuries and keep them healthy, keep them on the court, feel, track, whatever it is, so they can play their sport. And that's the same role as the athletic trainer. They do all their prehab stuff. They do all their practice-based stuff. And it, it kind of bleeds together, too, because that's so all that prehab corrective stuff, like movement pattern stuff, like we also have a mindset. We also have a educational side 
to help those things well. But it also helps if you don't have that collaboration with your AT, you know, you can't bounce ideas off each other. You can't fix problems at their root. You're seeing a trend of certain injuries or you're, you're seeing a trend of um, certain imbalances, like how do we fix this? If, if there's no communication, no collaboration, you're not getting to the root of the problem. And at the end of the day, the only person that suffers from that is the athlete. You know, and I think at Indiana State, our template, I guess, is different. So strength staff is not under athletics. We are under College of Health and Services, which is also under the athletic trainer. So essentially, the athletic trainers and the strength staff is under our own umbrella called the Center for Sports Medicine Performance. So um, it's nice because it's pretty much your, I shouldn't say forced, but you're really enticing that collaboration with your sports medicine staff, whichever AT for the prospective team that you're working with, you have to collaborate with them. And it just helps because it's like, you know, I have your back, you have my back, you know? So like my boss is the director of strength and conditioning and then my boss boss technically is the um, sports. So that's kind of how our chain of command works here, which I think is driven because like I said, at the end of the day, it's, everything that we're doing is for the athlete's success. Absolutely. So um, kind of a couple of questions I have for you on yep. that aspect there. Um, what's, what's a like a procedure for y'all for a, a returning player, you know, getting them back from being injured to playing on the court field, or whatever. Is there like a certain procedure that y'all follow that this athlete must meet this requirement, then this requirement, they must have this range of motion or anything like that? Um, that would be probably be deferred to strictly the athletic trainer. So they'll like in terms of you're looking at um sorry, my video keeps freezing, but um if you're looking at it from a, a range of motion standpoint or a basic level of strength standpoint, like a manual muscle test, um that's deferred to the athletic trainer. They'll do like a encore or on field progression in terms of like can they cut, can they accelerate, can they jump, how are they Sprint, and then we kind of match that from a weight room standpoint as well. In terms, of, okay, maybe we start them at sixty percent and seventy percent, and we'll ramp them up and see all this thing. And then we just kind of collaborate. There's not a cookie cutter in terms of like this is our protocol, this is our procedure. There's definitely that's why I need that collaboration and the communication with T to what's the plan, what's the return to play, how do we get them back as quickly as possible in the safest manner. And that's where our collaboration, collaboration with the coach, hey, when do we get back by? How aggressive do you want us to be? Be more conservative. And it also down to the athlete as well. Like, how are you feeling? Are you progressing faster? We'll progress this faster. If you're not, then we'll have a discussion to see what we can do to slow down that process. But like I said, there's no cookie cutter procedure or policy that we follow, but there's obviously, um, you know, communication between the sports medicine staff and the AT. So what's a like normal conversation of you between the sports medicine staff? Is it like, hey, you know, um, we're doing this today in our weight room. Do you have any recommendations? You know, is there anything I need to implement? You know, stuff like that, anything I need to watch for? What's a normal like conversation between you and like an AT staff? So this is how a lot of the teams work here. Usually we'll give like we still do cards or do train heroic which is the online like uh, you know, training platform that we use. And so 
we give all the ATs access to all the cars to look at like what we're doing for the days, right? Well, that doesn't mean that they're not popping over for every lift session. If you're talking about football, like football, their summer access to start, they're back for the summer. Um, and AT's in there before every session talking to um, Coach McManus here and talking about what modifications guys need, need to watch out for. And it, but that's, that's the uh, culture that we have built here. So in terms of basketball or track, um, basketball, I talk to the AT on a daily basis. I pop in there, they pop in the weight room. Hey, how's so feeling? What do we need to watch out for? Um, if you're talking about before, like before summer starts, like basketball's about to start next week. So I'm like, hey, like me and I sit down tomorrow to talk about, okay, let's look at all the reference scores. Let's look at um, what's typical for a basketball athlete. What do we need to work on? What mobility stuff in there? Uh, what injuries did we see last year that helped try to mitigate this year? You know, but that's just that. Like I said, just that it's a daily communication between us and the sports medicine staff. Yeah, absolutely, and you need that collaboration too. Not only, you know, kind of have an idea of what the AT staff is, you know, have in mind, but also, um, you know, kind of to help, I guess, minimize injuries within the weight room as well, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's something that you may be lacking in your program, you know, it's easier from AT's perspective of, well, this is what's going to reduce injury. Let's cut, let's implement that into our program. And so we can actually, and that's when, you know, we start seeing results and we start seeing uh, athletes not getting hurt as much. And, you know, there's, there's no more, uh, or the, there's a minimized trips to the AT room or to the training room. Right. And that's what we want at the end of the day. We want them on the court to feel, we don't want them in the AT room. Yeah. And I think it just, it also just helps understanding from both sides of the profession. Cause I think, I mean, I don't think I'm wrong to say that in, in a, in a lot of places, Look back the past ten years, you know, ATs and strength coaches uh, we would always butt heads because one's trying to just go, go, go; other one's trying to pull back, pull back, pull back. Right? But that's but it, it gives you the opportunity to, hey, like maybe we're getting a lot of hamstrings because not because we're not doing enough foam rolling stretching, maybe just because we're very, very weak. You know, we have to get stronger. And therefore, we have to load. Like, and that's where like having these conversations allows the understanding from both sides. So then you can actually move forward together. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we want at the end of the day. Like, athletic trainers don't want athletes sitting in their rooms and getting treatments all the time. Like, you know, that becomes kind of a daunting task, you know, seeing the same people every single day. Like, I know they're there for the resource and they're, you know, they're there for the athletes and everything like that, man. But at some, at the same point, you know, athletic trainers don't want athletes in there all the time, no. right? Yeah, we want, you know, they want them on the field, the court, playing their sport, in the weight room, you know, not, you know, living and walking in pain, man. No, a, a, bore, a boring day as an athletic trainer is a good day. Oh, I can I can believe it. I remember in college that, you know, um, I tore my hamstring in, in college, sure. and I always and I mean I was eager to get back to the field. That I'll tell the athletic trainers like, can I go to the field? Like, can I can I go you know play? And I know to I know now as an athlete, you know that's super annoying for an athlete to constantly repeat that same question. But I mean, like, it just goes to show like, 
you know, athletes want to be on the court. They don't want to be in the AT room forever. They want to be on the court field, you know, playing the sport. So, sure, absolutely. And and I think what else helps is a lot of the things like technology's taking over the world, man. Look like it, like it's just taking over. Like whether it's uh, iPads, iPhones, it's just taking. So uh, a couple of the things that we have here, like basketball, we use Connects on. So that's well, that's return to play decisions. Okay. Let's look at your max velocity speed. Are you hitting that? Is your player load maybe first practice back? Maybe we in the non-contact drills. Maybe we just work on average workload or keep your high velocities down. You can play with that because you have the objective data to look at using that. Football uses catapult, same concept. They have a return to play guy. Hey, you're coming back from a hamstring. You say you feel good, but eh, your top speed is usually around 19, and you're only hitting about 15. Like, are you, are you sure you feel good? So it, you, there's objective data there to help back your decision making. And that's so important too to have data behind what you're doing too. You know, um, IT perspective. You know, you're hitting. Here's your normal measurements. You're a little bit below that. Are you really feel? Are you sure you're all fine? You know, and asking some of those questions to the athletes um kind of kind of digs out some of those answers mm-hmm. right i always you know tell people it's like hey you know how are you doing today and they'll always have the same response like good you know whatever it's like yeah, no good. how are you really feeling and it kind of throws athletes a little off guard and they're like oh well uh well this hurts that hurts whatever and you know you kind of get that um kind of open that door up a little bit to kind of understand what the athlete is really kind of um feeling that day one thousand percent, and I think if we go down this rabbit hole, you you don't get those answers, those truthful answers, if you don't have that good coaching relationship with your athlete. You know, um, and I think that's huge. And I'll speak purely on the basketball sense of it. I mean, I I have fifteen, so, and we all know, quote unquote, who we love the way that's kind of the stigma, right? So not only do you have guys that are very tall, long arms, long legs, usually slim frame, skinnier, they need to put size on. But also you compound that with the stigma of, I don't like to lift because it's going to change my shot. You know, so goal number one for me is always, one, build that relationship because I, you won't do anything unless you trust me, right? We build that relationship, you trust me, you trust what we're doing. And once that happens, now you come in the weight room, you understand what we're doing, and you, and you want to work hard. Not because you know that's going to work, that should already be there, but it's also you trust in what you're doing. And that's the culture. That yeah, absolutely. And you're so right on the aspect that you got to have that relationship with you know your athletes. Um, and they don't trust you to take care of them and to improve their performance on, on the field court or whatever, then it's not, then you're not going to get the total buy-in and the total result that you want from those athletes as well. So speaking from a basketball perspective, I, when I interned my alma mater, I got a chance to work with the basketball team. And I mean, yes, they were kind of the ones that were not bought into the weight room as well. Um, but until they start seeing results, and I think that's the difference maker is that no, they don't t- particularly enjoy the, the weight room, but they 
enjoy the result of what happens afterwards. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get the buy-in of, well, here's where point B is at. We're here. We're just working to where we can get to point B. We're getting from point A to point B. You know, uh, this is what we're working towards. You know, I can care less if you don't like it here. I don't care less, you know, if, you know, uh, you moan and gripe or whatever for the next, you know, five, ten weeks. But this is where the end result is. You know, right. this is what we're keeping in mind here. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to mess up your shot. I'm not trying to, you know, do anything else. No, I'm trying to get you to where you can drive through the paint and not get pushed around. Yeah, and I think what I've learned with, with, with all of this is at the end of the day, to a certain extent, they don't like it because they're clearly just not good at it. No one likes to do something that they're not good at. They know they're not good at it. You know? And so once you start, once they start seeing results, they start better at lifts, the technique starts getting down. Now they're moving weight. Now they feel good. Now they're getting a little pumped up when they're hitting up a body. Now they want to hit a little extra set of arms and they feel it. They see it. Now it's like, oh, I want to come in here. You know, not only do I look good, do I feel good coming out of here? It's also like, I know what I'm doing, you know? And that's the biggest um, challenge because, you know, you get a freshman basketball player coming in at this level. It can range from zero training at, at a high school level to if you go to somewhere that's good, you know, they might have four years of they might have their own personal thing in, in anywhere in between. So that that's that's the that's the beauty of it all. And you were sitting there talking to like the 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 body frame of these basketball athletes. They're tall, they're a little bit skinnier. Yep. I mean, if we're talking about like let's just say a back squat, I mean that is a long way to go down for a back squat if we want to, you know, go full range of motion, which, you know, to each of their own on that. But if we want to go full range of motion on back squat, you know, for a six five, six six, six seven athlete, that's a long way down. It, it is because, like, I because I, I always catch myself doing. It and I go, oh, like, come on, I'm supposed to do it. I've done. I do. That like, then I was like, okay, Ken, you're five seven. If I like you, you can do all of this with no problem. Like your body's built to do this, but like these, their body structures are not. Not only is it they they not like built for the weight room, they're just not. Like, basketball players aren't. Their bodies aren't built just for society. And that's what like I tell them. I go like you guys are six seven, six eight, six nine. Like how are the bus rides for? How's plane ride? Like oh, do my knees kill me? My back, my hips get locked up sitting in the classroom like getting in out of like just regular cars i go yeah well like this is like society's not built for your size i go i'm cool you put me in a plane you put me in a bus like i'm fine i'm chilling right but that's why like i then they follow that up with that's why like we have to do a little bit extra to keep your hips to make sure we keep your knees nice and healthy keep your ankles good like that's the these are the reasons why we need to do what we do, all this extra little stuff that people might think are extremely boring, but they're also average human. You guys are six seven, six eight, six nine. Like we have to make sure we're doing this to make sure that we stay healthy, we stay feeling good. Yeah, and it's kind of the same way for like an office alignment, like in the NFL. These are six five, six six guys that weigh three hundred, three, you know, twenty, three fifty pounds. 
I mean, they were not built for society either. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not built to go in a, a Nissan Sentra car and, no. you know, drive off. You know, they're yeah. not built to be on planes. And, you know, um, and, I mean, I'm like 5'10 and 200 pounds. And the plane ride for me is, is pretty cramped. I couldn't imagine being, you know, a 6'8", 6'9 guy, you know, a basketball player being that tall and being like compacted in, in that little area or office alignment, you know, being 350 and, you know, had to take up more than one chair, you know, right. you, know no, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, sure. Yeah. And then that, and that's, that's just the nature of the beast, but it's, it's, it's how you, you know, like having that knowledge and having the understanding and a lot of these guys, when I told them that they don't even think of that kind of stuff. So once they like, wow, like, you're right. Like, like we're in class all day. Okay, I go home. I might play video games. Just slouching, sitting while I'm playing. Like, yeah, that's maybe. Yeah, that is the reason why my hips are pretty tight all the time. But yeah, well, like that's all we have to work on. So, what are some common injuries? I know this is kind of going down a rabbit hole, but okay. what what are the more common injuries? I know that knee pain is some is pretty vital in basketball players. Is there any other big injuries that you see in basketball, and how do you approach it? Uh, knee pain obviously is a big one. Um, knee tendonitis, I think that that one's huge. Um, but I think the most common would be ankle sprain. You get basketball players that come in. I mean, even in high school, you have sprain your tooth. Yeah. So you're getting guys that come into college before they're playing. Like in the college game, is way different than high school. You've already had two, three ankle ankle sprains. What the severity of them? Does not matter. You, you've injured it twice. Okay, so that's a common one. Uh, your knee pain, obviously, like I said, a lot of them with lower back pain. A lot of them with lower back pain. Um, I believe the lower back pain is part of that problem. I think it goes back all the way back to like we just talked about society. Well, everything is not made for how tall they are. Um, so they're always bending, squatting awkwardly, sitting awkwardly, which leads to their tight hips, which leads to their tight back, which and you try to lift them and their structures aren't built. You have to modify for basketball players to a certain extent to make sure that we can load safely and effectively while making sure because the floor is that low back. They're that. They have such long arms, long legs. So you always have to modify and try to adapt and adjust to make sure you're programming the right way so you can get strong, safely, and effectively. Um, how we combat all that is uh, here at Indiana State, we do the functional movement screen uh, with everybody that comes in. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a transfer. It doesn't matter if you're a freshman. It's part of the physical process. When you do your physical, you see the and then you do a functional movement screen. Look at all your imbalances. We look at your ankle mobility. We look at directives work on. And then that's kind of how we attack all of those. Um, now, every day before my lift, uh, what happens is the guys come in, they weigh in, and then we do our three main ankle exercises. So it's an ankle glide, three ankles, and calf raises every single day to make sure we're trying to keep those, those ankles healthy, strong, as much as we can. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that we can prevent injuries because it can't. There's way too much going on in the nature of the game. But you can help to try to do your part to help mitigate it if you can. Um, knee pain. Um, I mean, that's just, it's hard because you just have to have to be strong to withstand the amount of ground contacts in the game of basketball. Because in basketball, you're never you're never opening up at max speed. 
you're accelerating or decelerating or changing direction. So think about that shear force that needle five and a half by ten. So you're always cutting, decelerating so much. Your knees have to be your quads have to be strong, your lower half has to be strong to withstand all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And um something that I was thinking about with the basketball training, you know, um you always had this stigma of basketball players don't need to train because it messes up their shot or it, you know it messes up you know their gameplay anything like that but i seen it on the opposite end you know the most probably the better basketball players are the ones that are able to you know kind of drive through the paint and you know get a layup or or you know just basically stronger you know um i think about like zion williams when he was in college you know he just a big body guy that uh, could rebound, could shoot, and change the direction pretty quickly too for you know a bigger guy, and he was strong. Uh, you know he's not he wasn't you know prone or you know I guess excluded from injuries, but you know right. at the same time that he's still a really good basketball player even though he was you know a bigger individual. Right. So how do you kind of talk to like I'm not gonna say like head basketball coaches, but basketball coaches that believe that the weight room is not good for basketball players? Um, my opinion is that I think a lot of the head coaches now in the game know that that statement and that stigma is as false as it could be. You know, uh, Coach Hurts here, great coach, even better person. Um. I mean, he, he the weight room is one of his three pillars. So, because he knows, like, we have to get strong, we have to be big in order to play in the Missouri Valley Conference, which is a very brutal league, you know. So, working for him, working with him through all this, it's been such a smooth process because his thought process, like, you know, like, we have to. Like, it's a non-negotiable. One of my pillars into the individual, um, the individual success, which leads to the team success. Right. Well, that's one of the big things that we talk about here is, you know, it sounds selfish, but if, if you if you really dive into it, it's not if, if each individual gets better, whether that gets bigger, faster, stronger, whether that's better as a basketball player individually, the team just got better. Right. So if everybody, every individual become, can become the best version of themselves, the team just got immensely. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I think that stigma, I think that stigma is is at the tail end. Because if you just if you just look, I think, in my opinion, the strength and conditioning in terms of a basketball standpoint over the past, even my five years here, has grown immensely due to the traction that it has gotten on social media, whether it's um, all these collegiate coaches like doing these before and after pictures. Everyone sees it, how important the NBA is, and like everyone's being way more vocal about it. I think, uh, when was it, Jason Tatum just came out in these playoffs saying, like, well, I think I, like, Last year, I didn't lift as much now during this off run. Like, I got to make sure I get my lifts in every day. Like, it's just stuff like that. Like, it's people are being way more vocal about it. And it's, and people just know now. People just have a way more education, understanding of what's going on. And there's so much information out in the open on social media and just the internet in general about training and everything like that to where. Uh, I almost kind of like to say that there's no, not really an excuse not to train, not to, and I'm not saying just to go in the weight room and bust out a bunch of weight. I mean, to do extensive and intensive plyometrics, to do change of direction, acceleration, deceleration, 
you know, to do, you know, just check off, you know, some of these boxes, not just for, like, weight room numbers, but just to be athletic, man. Like, you know, you know, these are athletes. They, you know, you can say, well, I'll train basketball, football, whatever, but we're trained athletes, you know. Uh, they got to jump. They got to sprint. They got to run. They got to change direction, you know, start and start. They got to be strong. I mean, oh, these yeah. are athletes. These are not just basketball players, football players. These are athletes. Right, 1,000%. And I think that's the evolution of all this, in my opinion, is the incorporation of all those intensive, extensive plyos, the uh, the implementation of when people use velocity-based training, when people use all the connects on catapult. There's so much there's so much resources out there that it's like you, you just get so much data to back up what you're doing and if you're doing it right or wrong. And like I, and like, as we probably all know there's a thousand different ways to do something, you know. Is, but not only are you going to be utilizing, um, okay, did the bench go up? Did the squat go up? Did uh, did we clean? Like, okay, wait, now we have weight room. Now let's look at some force plates. Let's look at their top end speed. Look at their jump height on jump max. There, there's so many different avenues to look at, but. You, you you can make sure you have the right program in place. Right, absolutely. And, you know, I, I heard from a good coach that if you're doing the right thing, all your metrics would go up. So if you're, you know, having a well-round strength program, then your, you know, uh, horizontal jumps are going to go up. Your vertical jumps are going to go up. Your speed's going to go down, right? You know, yeah. going from, a, let's just say, you know, a 40-yard dash, you know, going from a 5 flat to a four nine you know you yeah. know if you're doing all the things that you need to be doing then the metrics will take care of themselves Absolutely. and you know if we want to talk like basketball in you know particular what do basketball players really care about their jumps yeah, so yeah. i mean if we're seeing and say look the last 12 weeks here's the numbers from each week they steadily have increased going up we're doing our jobs here they're getting stronger and their verts are going up we're doing our job Absolutely, and. <laughs> It kind of become I won't say easy, but with the basketball players, if they can notice, man, I'm I'm bouncy, and I'm getting up there. I mean, there's your buy-in right there. You don't like that's it because you're absolutely right. That's one big thing that they care about is their jump. One uh one podcast I did with Brandon Pig, and he's a really good um, buddy of mine, and uh, we were talking about like one of the metrics that he was wanted to do for like jump height. And uh, he said, well, I want to get like a basketball goal installed in our weight room. And I want to go, I want to do a metric of dunk height. Let's see how high up you can dunk some, you know, dunk right. a basketball. I'm like, man, that's sweet. That would be awesome to have for like a basketball program. Right. Right. No, that, that would be sweet. All right. So let's go ahead and start wrapping up some things here. Um, we're going to do this last segment and I've done it every single episode and I love doing it because it just, I, I, I don't know. I just. It's just I just like it. Right, um, uh, it's called conjugate coach, conjugate coach spotlight. So this is where you're going to give us um, someone that you want to highlight in the field of strength conditioning, uh, someone that's made an impact or someone that's you know up and coming. Uh, so whoever you want to shout out, man. Oh my gosh. Um. Well, I, I think the first shout out that I got to give is is Coach uh, McManus here. Without him and even me and and giving me this opportunity, I would be here. You know, Coach Man is great coach, great 
great coach, great dude, uh, better friend. You know, he, he's been he's been here as long as I've been here. He, I mean, he's been here almost, I think, I think almost 20 years altogether. We played football here. We were interned with him for a little bit, came back, been here ever since. You know, he's taught me a lot, um, not only about transportation, but he's just taught me a lot of He's, he's he's seen it all, you know, so at any moment that he can give life advice, whether that's myself or that's the staff, you know, he does that. And he and he's an individual that's always going to have our backs and he's an individual that, you know, cares about us as a person first and staff member second. And if we ever needed something, he would do everything in his power to make sure that he can help us in any, any which way. So first person is Dennis. I mean, I mean, honestly, I'm, I don't want to. I was gonna say a bunch of names here. I mean, um, you know, I think the the staff that we have here right now, they all deserve a shout out. You know, Coach Logan Sprung, uh, Coach Lydia, uh, John Gallini, Aaron Rolfs, um, people that worked with past, uh, Dan O'Rourke, uh, Michael Finkelstein, um, you know, Nate Corn, Tommy Richardson. All those dudes that I've worked with here at Indiana State during my time, I think they all deserve a shout out because, you know, they put in their time here. They made this place better than, than the day they found it and they heard the first day they came here. So, you know, if it wasn't for all of them, Indiana State wouldn't be Indiana State. So to everyone that's worked here, you know, thank you for everything you've done. You know, I'm very grateful for getting to know you, getting to work with you, and just kind of uh, – so you hope to work for again in the future. Awesome, Coach. Well, again, I want to thank you for being on the Conjugate Chats and working with my crazy schedule and everyone else's crazy oh, schedule, you. man. It's, uh, you know, it's one thing to kind of set in stone something and then life happens and then we, you know, it starts to deviate and off and the other paths. But, you know, it's awesome, you know, to actually sit down and talk to you and, um, get some good insight about sports medicine and basketball training and everything else in between, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm, I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of the podcast. I listen to it. Um, I know uh, one of my, I went to school with Don Day. I know you did, you uh, interviewed him uh, a little bit ago, and I don't know if that was season one, I think. But, you know, I went to school with him, so I got a shout out to him too. So, but. Awesome, Coach. And that is another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjugate Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also follow our guest, Kenneth, on his social media as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today.
And before we end this episode here, I wanted to bring the light to something. Um, most people on here are either strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches. Um, for those that are aspiring strength coaches out there, um, I set up a Gumroad account, a uh, store even, to provide value back into the field of strength conditioning. Starting with, um, I have study guides on there. Uh, for anyone that's not past the CSCS or is going to take the CSCS. Um, these are study guides that I've developed over the last three years that I've used in my attempts to pass the CSCS, and I wanted to bring that value here to our podcast. So if you will go to the link in the description of this episode, you'll see a link to my Gumroad in which you can purchase or just download for free uh, the study guides for CSCS, a couple of my guides for in uh, in-season training, and also um, a couple of our products in there as well. Again, thank you for listening in on the Conjuring Chats, and thank you for your continuous support.